Hi, I'm Martin Kostwick, CEO and Director of Battery Mineral Resources Corp. And I'm very pleased to speak with you today and give you an update on our latest achievements and our look going forward. Martin, good to see you again. I haven't seen you since you were uh, in London. We did a face-to-face there, but um, I've got to talk about the good news of the day, or the good news of yesterday. Uh, the Chilean constitution, the people said no. Is that good news for mining? Good news for you? You know, I think it's good news for the country in general. And of course, mining is a big part of, of you know, Chilean culture and economics and everything else. And, um, you know, I was, I was just had re- just returned from Chile a couple of weeks ago. And of course, I took the opportunity to ask everybody that I met what they thought the vote would, would turn out like. And, and everybody said that it would get overturned, but they weren't sure by how much. Um, but it turned out well, and and I think I say it turned out well um, because I I believe most people feel like the the rush to change the constitution was perhaps gone about the wrong way. Um, it was a rushed process and probably not as informed as it could or should have been. And I think they've resolved now that the that they've rejected it that they're going to go about it a different way and a more measured approach and and and. Um, and probably arrive at a more reasonable set of changes, but there will be changes. Right, and just let's just remind people, obviously the Constitution, uh, the change of Constitution was set about for social reform, uh, although mining was sort of dropped in there, and I guess why miners are interested in it, and investors in miners are interested in it, is they, you know, some of the proposals around some of the tax rates for um, producers in country, you know, potentially could have been uh, punitive. So it, with regards to the the new way, the route forward and the people that you've been speaking to, are they suggesting that perhaps the, the constituent parts are separated and it's going to be through a legislative process separately or are they going to bundle it in one big pile as they did last time? I think it's more of, of what you said, that it, it will be the different aspects of the changes that people are looking for are going to be looked at um, individually and, and through a process. Um, um, much differently than, than in the approach that they took before, right? So, and for the mining uh, set of things, I believe that, you know, it, it was always said that, uh, that, um, that the, the, the changes that they're going to have in terms of the potential royalties for mining companies, they started out saying some pretty draconian things about the different numbers and different royalties that would be applied. And even even before the vote, the the understanding was is that um, it would be much less draconian. And in fact, they 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 started looking at and I think I I, we talked about this in my last interview that they were really looking at how to bring a royalty on the major mining companies. And of course, in Chile, you have three different categories of mines. You've got small, medium and large. And it's, it's quite simple that way. Um, and they were really targeting the larger operations, which of course were, were in the medium, the lower end of the medium size scale. So, um, we felt, um, I guess no matter how the constitution vote came out, that we were going to be in good shape, that we weren't going to have draconian or, or even any royalties it looked like imposed, um, on our operations. And so we feel like going forward, um, that would, that will remain the same. Okay, so I, I, use, I use this phrase called small but beautifully formed to describe your business model. Uh, you've just gone lower end of, of medium. So we, we, we'll, we'll agree we're some, somewhere around there. Um, can you just remind people of the business model that you're employing? Because it's kind of unconventional in the, in, compared to your North American peers. Well, in terms of, uh, you, you mean in terms of our approach and in, in getting into cash flowing? Is that really what you're thinking? Yes, yeah, sure. Well, look, um, it, it's it's 
it's quite simple. We, we acquired the assets of a former producing mine that had about a nine-year operating history. It was operated by a major company called Glencore. Everybody's familiar with them. Um, they invested in it quite well over the years while they operated it. And so when we, when we were, were given the opportunity to acquire the assets out of insolvency, we just found it to be a great opportunity to come into a, an operation that was well-capitalized, well-run, and, um, and, and have a very uh, intense and close look at a restart plan to put this thing back into production because we feel like that is absolutely the best way to bring value to our shareholders is to turn BMR from an exploration type company into a cash flowing entity, if that's what you're talking about. So, you know, that's, that's what we're looking at doing and, and we've, we've made a lot of achievements along the way. Um, and we can get in and, and talk about that as we go here. Well, well I, I do want to talk about it because you know, people will look yeah. at it and go, hey, this is quite small. This is quite small. I, I get the kind of get into cash flow thing, but you've, you've made a kind of conscious decision between going down one route and, and t'other. And cash flow uh, is important to you in this model. Why? And help people understand why this is the best way forward. You know, for us and, and for our shareholders, I believe this is a great opportunity to go from essentially no cash flow, which is where we are now. We spend money. You know, we're spending money on all of our projects to try and advance them. Um, getting in and being able to switch that around to be getting into cash flowing and using the proceeds from, from the mine to turn around and continue to advance our assets without having to go back to the shareholders. And for us, going from zero to uh, potentially 40 to 50 million in EBITDA a year, which is the potential we have at Punataki, it's, it's a step change, you know. Um, compare that to, let's say, a, a Glencore mine announces that they're going to increase production and they might add 40 to 50 million a year. That's really not a big landmark for a giant company like that. But for us, going from zero to 40 or 50 is, is a big step. And, and I think uh, the market's going to realize that, that um, and, and, and reward us appropriately. And that's what we're looking forward to. Right. But when I, when I talk to, um, Companies who are being acquired by larger operators, they say, well, actually, the big guys, the mid-tiers, they don't need these, these economic studies. The economic studies are for the market. So the market gets a sense of the scale here and hopefully it gets you know, some liquidity into, into the stock. But ultimately, the big guys don't need that data. As a company that's getting into production, can you explain the need for you to put out the 43101, for you to um, produce economic studies for your own benefit? Sure. Sure. You know, as you know, we just came out with a very robust um, um, announcement for our newly acquired resources. And that was the result of nearly nine months of drilling and 33,000 meters. Um, those resources were acquired in, in four different areas, one of which was the Scenario mine, which is the original mine that fed the mill for nine years. Um, three, three of the remaining areas were in areas that had never had resources. So we're very very proud of, of what we're able to achieve in, in bringing in um, two different categories of resources, uh, you know, 6.2 million tons of indicated and 3.1 of inferred. That, that, is, that is the cornerstone of our forthcoming technical report that's going to be coming out in the next few weeks. Now, a technical report is always important because it gives the investors the view that you've got a third party that's unbiased and bound by professional integrity to give their, their, their best view and, and accurate numbers of what's going on. So moving on from that, that is the cornerstone of our, our decision to go back into production. You know, we, we, we beat our goal of having four to five million tons quite soundly. So we, we feel even more confident 
um, than ever that this is the right decision is to is to dig into the economics um, with these new resources, um, finalize our, our operating plans and, and monetize this into production. And that's really what, what the next steps are for us. And ultimately, that's how you raise the capital you're going to need. Um, that's exactly it. Right. So yeah. when do you start working out how much capital you're going to need? What's the, what's the next phase of economic study? Well, we've got a pretty good idea of the capital. We were we were waiting for the results of the resources statement to to uh, then compare it to our previous estimate and see what kind of changes we need to make in our mine designs, in our mine schedules, and things like that to tweak uh, to finalize the economics of that picture. That that um, our view of what we need uh, in order to put this into production in terms of capital. Right, but if you. You can't give us as yet any sense of that because you've inherited a lot of data. You've inherited a lot of infrastructure, um, yeah. right? So you, you, I know you've kind of got in your minds a sense of what that looks like, but how, when will you be able to give guidance to the market as to what that looks like? How much money are you going to need to go and, and raise and how you're going to go about raising what type of money? Yeah. Well, you know, we've always said that we think we're going to need around 20 to 25 million, depending on working capital. And, and I'm, I'm still confident that we're going to, we're going to be in that range of numbers. Um, and, uh, we're always looking for ways to improve on, on what the, that ask is going to be as we go along, as we get more information. Um, all along the way, we've been de-risking this project, looking for risk and opportunities. And, and we found many opportunities and we, you know, I think we're going to find more. So I think over the next, what you're going to notice if you're, while you're following our story, um, over the next six to eight weeks, you're going to see that we've been able to announce that, uh, that we've got the remainder of the funding in hand to put this into production. That's our goal. Okay. Um, and, and I don't mind saying that because we're working very hard to get towards that goal. We have a lot of interest from from parties um, that would like to be a part of that story in terms of helping us fund it into production. Right, and I think people should go back to our last interview and sort of understand who the, who the players are, well, who the team is, where they're from, and perhaps access to market may give clarity on that one. But um, have you, if you if you are meaningfully advanced on on that. You've got a sense of what that split between equity and debt will be, because I think most shareholders, a $40 million company, be going 20, 25 million bucks. That's a dilutive exercise. Does it necessarily need to be so? No, no. In fact, in fact, our efforts from day one, and, and I'm glad you brought that up, have been to, to uh, fund this into production using non-dilutive means. And I think that's a very important point for the shareholders to understand that we understand that uh, dilution is, is not, um, is not favorable and, um, and sometimes people have to use it, and, and that's just the way of the world. But we've been very focused on bringing in non-dilutive means of capital, and um, we're, we're looking at it on three different fronts. We're looking at it from, as a um, from off as a prepay on an offtake contract. We're looking at royalties, and we're also looking at the private debt markets. And we have interest in all three options. Okay, so Pinataki is 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 the is the focus. It's the kind of I guess cornerstone for you. You are going to need to. There are lots of opportunities around you. You're going to need to go through a process of assessing your your own portfolio of projects, looking for new portfolio projects to bring it bring in, and be able to assess those in reasonably quick order. Otherwise, it's going to be small baby steps, which may take you know a long time. The thesis is a good a good one. Copper headlines every day of the week about the demand for copper, but you're going to want to ramp up quickly. So, how are you going to go about doing that? 
Yeah. Well, first of all, yes, we're, we're, we're super pleased to be in the marketplace that we're in because the, and, and that's for all of our commodities, the different commodities that our portfolio represents. Um, but, but certainly copper and copper is our main focus because of our opportunity to, um, to place this great asset into production and, and into cash flowing. And so it, it, it's really, it's really our focus right now. Um, as, you know, as we, uh, I think what you're asking really is what, how are we going to get there and what's our next move possibly? Um, and, and when I, it, that kind of goes back to when I was talking about how we're going to potentially go from zero EBITDA to 40 or 50 million in EBITDA with the, the advent of, of putting Punataki back into production. Um, that is a meaningful step for us. And as we look around at our next move, we have these great assets. We have uh, cobalt in Ontario and, and in Idaho. We've got graphite in South Korea. We have lithium in Nevada. Those are all great assets, but they're a little bit longer term than, than our immediate opportunity we have um, at the Punitaki mine. So we start looking around and, and, and we have been in, with, in earnest looking for other opportunities uh, and we're finding a, a very, uh, a very great opportunities in the country of Chile in the same marketplace that we're in at Punitaki, that, that medium size range type of operation. So, uh, bringing it back to those EBITDA numbers, think about going from zero to 40 and then in short time with a potential merger or acquisition, which we're seeing lots of opportunities for going from uh, 40 to 80 or 100 um, with that next step. And uh, what a great time to buy. You know, we're, we're in a, a bit of a depressed market right now um, in terms of uh, being in a great position to to acquire other assets, well, that's where we're headed for. It's a great we're headed for that. It's a great time to buy for sure. It's yeah. ne- not necessarily a great time to be setting up a mine, though. You know, cost overruns um, abound at the moment. Inflation, you know, earmarked to be twenty two percent this time next year. So it's it's an uncertain environment. So we've talked about the perhaps a little bit more certainty in Chile because the constitutional. Uh, conversation we had a uh, conversation about the constitution earlier great but numbers wise money wise flow of capital uh, it, it's it's tricky it's tricky you know we we, we completely agree i mean it, it for me to say that inflation isn't going to be a factor in, in terms of our thinking going forward uh, well, you know it, no one would believe that of course it's going to be a factor but one thing we have we have many advantages i think and one of the main advantages is that um, the, the mine is, is very well capitalized. We have all of the fixed assets that you need to go into production. So our capital outlay is, um, is quite simple. We're not, we're not building things. We're not pouring concrete. We're not bringing in steel. Um, we're simply uh, bringing equipment and workers back in, which of course we have a great access to a, a, an amazing workforce that used to work at the mine many of which would love to come back to the region and, and get back with their families and work at Punataki. So we're bringing in equipment and people and uh, reestablishing processes, and we're going to get going. Okay, and the, I guess the other component here is, uh, it needs to be factored in is you know, some of the headlines that we're seeing coming out of the environmental department, the, the Minister of the Environment, has been coming down hard on mining companies wanting to get their environmental licenses and move forward into um, you know, the, the, the CapEx phase, as it were, to build these mines. Um, do you feel you're at some kind of advantage because you are a historic producing mine or do you come under the same sort of scrutiny uh, as the rest? I think both. I think we're going to come under you know, very strong scrutiny and we have. 
But we do have an advantage that we have existing permits, both operational and environmental. And, and we've taken the approach right from, from the very beginning. And this is over the last, uh, you know, 16 months or so that we're, we're simply modifying our existing permits. We are applying for some new permits, but, um, but we, um, we found great success and no real hurdles. You know, I think as long as you, you present the information as requested, and there's no there's no uh, underlying things that 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 come out of the whole process that you're going to be fine. Um, we we work um, the mine is located in a in a very prolific mining area, so people are used to mines and working with miners. And um, we have plenty of electricity, we have plenty of water. So some of the barriers that other other companies have as they go through this permitting process simply aren't there for us. So we, we feel pretty good about it, but there will be a lot of scrutiny, of course. Okay, and just in, just in terms of the kind of the blue sky component, I, I get that the focus is let's get this thing up and running, get cash flow going. At what point do you say, right, we need to be really clear about the expansion component here in terms of through the, through the drill bit or other, or through acquisition? Uh, and when, again, when do you start talking to the market about some more firm information on that front? Well, I think that's going to come very soon. You know, we're, we're, we're kind of doing things in a stepwise fashion because we've, we, we've, we started our engineering programs, our permitting processes, our drilling programs, our environmental studies, all these things about 12 months ago. Now that we've finished the drill program, we've announced our resources. Next step for us is to get this thing into production, to get it funded and into production. Um, and I think very soon after that, we'll be in a great position to start acting on some of the many opportunities that we've seen and that we've been looking for in that medium-sized mining space in Chile. Right. And can I, can I talk, and you did reference it earlier, but with regards to um, cobalt and graphite, right? Um, and, we, and we've had a conversation with it in our last interview. People, please go and look at the link below on, on that one. Cobalt pricing looking quite nice. Graphite quite nice as well. Are you looking at those assets as a means to mitigate risk in, in the current portfolio within the, the um, battery minerals resources company? Or do you think that there are better ways of monetizing those um, based on what's happening in the market at the moment? You know, I, I, I think to answer your question, um, having multiple assets often does uh, reduce risk, especially if you can get these things closer to operations. Then you're, you're dividing up your operational risk as, as far as what's included under one roof, which is battery mineral resources. Um, you know, we're, we're completely focused on getting Punataki um, funded and into cash flowing 100%. But we have this great portfolio of, of, um, of projects behind us, which when we do get into cash flowing in the future, then those, those projects become really a pipeline of projects for us because they're at various stages of, of, um, of development. They're all in this, um, what I would call battery mineral sphere, um, you know, where you look at the, the outlook for the, 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 the gap, well, the, the outlook really for the gap between supply and demand and all these uh, mineral resources, all these commodities is increasing all the time. So we feel like um, we, we're going to turn around and start paying attention to these once we're in the right position. And, and whether we develop them purely on our own or, or we entertain some of the opportunities we're seeing right now to join forces with other people to perhaps um, bring these to the forefront um, 
maybe quicker and more efficiently, then we're going to be looking at those opportunities as well. There's an awful lot of interest in our assets. Okay. Okay. Well, look, I, I think the big, the big moment for us, I guess, is six, eight weeks away with regards to clarity on financing, um, for sure, because that, that could be a game changer uh, for, you, for you guys. Um, 43101 is, is great. Nice, nice numbers. A little bit certainty around that, but you, you need to also, I guess, in the next, what, 12, 18 months, start showing the kind of the scale and, and ambition of uh, what you're trying to do there in Chile as well. So I look forward to hearing about that one. But Martin, great conversation. Um, enjoyed that. Enjoying uh, watching the story build. Um, stay in touch and let us know how you get on, okay? No, thank you very much for taking the time. And thanks, everybody that's, that's uh, watching this for your interest in the company. And uh, we look forward to continuing to, to hit our marks and in achieving the things going forward. And uh, we look forward to your support.